Welcome to the Speaker Live Show, episode 35 for November 25th, uh, 2015. Thank you for listening. My name is Rob Greenlee, and I work for Spreaker, the head of content, and I'm a longtime podcaster. Been doing um, podcasting and radio for about 11 years, well, actually longer than 11 years, but but uh, been involved in the space. I've worked for Podcast One and, and Microsoft, worked for uh, the Zoom podcast area at, at Microsoft for about six years. So I'm doing this show to help podcasters become better podcasters, and I have a terrific co-host or guest. I don't know what you want to call him. His name is Matt Kaplan on Skype. He's actually doing the, the, the show from his car on a LA freeway. So <laughs> it's awesome because the technology is so great that we can actually do this in our busy lives because we can't always get where we need to be when we'd like to because other people don't let us because it's called traffic, right? But Matt is the host of a terrific podcast and he's the host of Planetary Radio. So the show is a part of the Planetary Society, which is based down in Pasadena, California, planetary.org. This show really covers you know science, tech, you know, astronomy, and it's an amazing show. It's been around for, for I'm not sure how long, but I, but I guess we're going to find out really soon here. Matt, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Rob. I wish I was at home in, a, in my little home studio with my wonderful microphone, but such is life in L.A. Well, you know, th- this is actually great because what Spreaker is all about is kind of mobile, portable broadcasting or podcasting. So that's what this whole platform is about, and that's what's amazing about podcasting these days is the ability to actually do this from really pretty much any of our mobile devices these days and actually have the audio sound pretty darn good. Oh, I'm glad to hear it. And uh, love the new Spreaker uh, mobile app. Yeah, well, that's amazing, and and it's great that uh, you guys are doing your show on our platform. And and but I also know that you guys have a lot of other types of distribution, other things that you do on the radio side and other places. But before we dive too deep into this, I wanted to kind of share a little clip from your show. It is actually a clip from your 35th celebration that you had here recently. This clip has your CEO, which is. Bill Nye the Science Guy, or I guess now it's called yeah. Bill, Bill Nye the Planet Guy. Is that what it is now? <laughs> the Bill Nye the Planetary Guy. The Planetary uh, Guy, that's what it is. Mo- most people still know him as the Science Guy, so it's uh, interchangeable as far as we're concerned. Yeah, and also I guess uh, on stage w- w- with him was uh, Mr. Star Talk himself, Neil deGrasse Tyson. You bet. Uh, it's really funny, the, the last two Speaker Live shows I've actually had clips with uh, with Neil on the on the show for various, <laughs> various reasons. He's everywhere these days that's for sure so let's play this clip so you can get an idea of what what matt's uh, show is kind of like and what it's all about the 35th anniversary celebration for the planetary society and the more to explore party a different sort of show this week as we join a fun party The Pasadena Civic Auditorium is nearly across the street from the Planetary Society's new headquarters. It's a beautiful and historic theater, and it was filled to bursting on the evening of Saturday, October 24th. 3,000 space geeks had shown up to hear Bill Nye welcome an amazing array of guests to the stage. They included author of The Martian, Andy Weir, Star Trek Voyager stars Robert Picardo and Jerry Ryan, and NASA Deputy Administrator Dava Newman. Topping the bill was astrophysicist, director of the Hayden Planetarium, and host of Cosmos, a space-time odyssey, Neil deGrasse Tyson. You'll hear Neil join his buddy Bill in the first of the brief excerpts we have time for. The Grand Night opened with a 
dance performance, and then these words from an onstage announcer whose voice you may recognize. Now, please welcome our host for this evening, Bill Nye, the Planetary Guy! Welcome, 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 everyone. Thank you so much for being here this evening. I am the CEO of the Planetary Society. I'm so glad you all could be here tonight. We're going to have a fantastic time. It's our 35th anniversary. We were founded by Carl Sagan, my old professor, Bruce Murray, head of the Jet Propulsion Lab, and Ruth Friedman, an engineer there. And so we have now been in organization for 35 years. So we are celebrating with all of you And 2015 has been a very exciting year in space. I'm sure you all heard the big news recently. After years of searching, NASA scientists believe they have finally found evidence of present-day liquid water. In California! Welcome, my very good friend of the last 20 years, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Neil. But, Neil, we go back. We, we met, I guess it was um, Lou Friedman. Yeah, I met you through the Planetary Society. I mean, I, well, I, of all the great memories I have of the Planetary Society, I must candidly and with warmth say that my greatest memory of joining the Planetary Society board is meeting Bill Nye, and who has become my friend. <laughs> 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 no, I mean, we're, we're, we're kindred spirits in our life's missions. And so it's fun just comparing notes at the end of the day. Uh, I convinced him to move to New York. On, and it's your loss, but our gain. Are you Star Trek or Star Wars? Uh, holding aside the fact that Nichelle Nichols is gracing the stage offside for the moment, okay? This is holding that aside. I, as a scientist and as a rationalist, if you're going to do the Kessel Run, you should do it in a unit of time, not a unit of distance. Just one thing. Ow! I'm looking. Ow! Wait, I got to cool myself down off of that. So, 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 uh, as we know, Han Solo said, I'd do the Kessel Run in 30 parsecs or whatever the number was. It was like, no! It's 3.3, let's like 9, 10, say 10 light. No, what, like I'm 30 say, light what I'm saying is... It's a unit of time that he should have been speaking, not a unit of distance. And you should know by now how I react to movies that don't get their stuff straight. Pull back, Neil. So, so, so I'm starting. So, Matt, uh, that was a great night, I'm sure, for the Planetary Society, and uh, and you shared that uh, with your show audience. I'm sure that that doesn't come around that often, but I thought I would play that. So, 
I'm sure that that was an exciting night for you guys. It sure was. It was it was incredible. Uh, the the energy, the excitement. We we just had a blast, and um, uh, that is not typical, of course, of uh, <laughs> of a planetary radio episode. We generally stick to space science and talking to astronauts about what they've done and and uh, heads of missions around the solar system and and beyond. I mean, I one nice thing is I get to talk about all of space science. I get to talk cosmology, which uh, the rest of the Planetary Society doesn't yet do too much of. We stick to round, hard things like planets. After all, we're the Planetary Society. Yeah. But that was that was sure fun, and we love going on the road with the show. Oh, so you actually do, do live uh, shows? Yeah, oh, do. we definitely awesome. do. Awesome. We, we, uh, we uh, have gone live various places. We've been at the Air and Space Museum with an audience. Uh, we were... Uh, at a, an aquarium here in town, the Aquarium of the Pacific in Long Beach. We did a huge show in Toronto at the University of Toronto, uh, known just a little over a year ago. Uh, but most of the time, we have a great relationship with the local public radio station in, in Southern California, KPCC. They don't air the show, but we have a partnership. We use a terrific room they have uh, called the Crawford Family Forum. And uh, we usually fill that up uh, with uh, as we uh, talk about uh, uh, the final frontier. So, have you uh, guys had a, a good experience trying to build your radio distribution side? I mean, and how long have you guys been kind of doing that versus the podcast? Did it start out as a podcast, or what's the history of this? No, we go back well before anybody knew what a podcast was. Uh-huh. The show is actually 12 years old this month. Oh, and okay. uh, so, so we started broadcasting. We started very small. We started at my old college radio station. And uh, then a few other stations just sort of found out about us, probably from the website. Then we hired a consultant. Uh, to help us out. And we thought, oh, you know, if we get up to 60 or 70 stations, we'll be in pretty good shape. Before we knew it, we had 120. Now we believe we have about 140. But of course, you know, what is absolutely huge and what has extended our audience around the world is what you're doing right now is is the the ability to podcast uh, and, you know, the amazing flexibility and the reach that podcasting gives us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it is an amazing um, time. So, so when did you guys actually transition over to doing it as a as a podcast? I mean, did you guys do it oh, when man. podcasting started? Pretty much. I think we were up within a year of people sort of, you know, introducing. I forget who was the guy who invented the term and started this. Um, Mr. Adam Curry. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. Um, and it was a, maybe a less. It was definitely less than a year because I remember telling my colleagues at the society, my boss and others, "Hey, we've got to get on this. <laughs> this yeah. is this is going to make uh, the show huge compared to you know where we are now." I mean, we were happy. We're still happy being a broadcast show, but uh, really, uh, if it's any indication, most of our mail is generated by the people who hear us via Spreaker and the other online. Um, aggregators that we work with. Mm-hmm. So you guys, back in the earlier days before podcasting started, did you guys make your episodes available as an MP3 download off your off of your planetary website? Yeah, we definitely did. did um, 
Mm-hmm. And then we got we started going on. Uh, you know, there are other services that that podcasters should be aware of. If you're not, uh, there is uh, NPR's uh, National Public Radio's Public Radio Satellite Service. But that that costs. That's not cheap. Mm-hmm. The one for people to be aware of is the Public Radio Exchange PRX that PRX, I'm sure you're yeah. aware of, mm-hmm. uh, and that is a place where uh, lots of radio stations can hear about your show. But the PRX, they you know they see. The way things are going, and they are also um, uh, uh, trying to become a, a, a source of, you know, direct to the listener podcast. Um, yeah, but but they're still mostly thought of as a distribution system for radio stations, mm-hmm. and uh, pretty much anybody can deal with them. So, have you always kind of kind of thought of your show and the things that you do as more of a more of a public radio type of show, or did you guys go down the sponsorship route or anything like that on the more commercial side? I mean, how do you walk those lines? It's a very it's a good question. Uh, we're not against money. We're a nonprofit, so we we have to find it. Yeah. Um, but and and we have had some significant underwriting in the past. We actually there is an anonymous donor to the Planetary Society uh, who made a very generous gift a couple of years ago, and a piece of that has gone to the support of the radio show. Uh, And then, of course, our members. You know, the Planetary Society is a member-supported organization, Mm -hmm. and so uh, really, we give the members full credit. We have had some other semi-commercial, really underwriting status uh, people, but no traditional sponsorship, uh, running spots, uh, running stuff, you know, over the player online. We have never done that. We've done some overlays, uh, you know, promoting stuff within the society, but we've, we've never gone that route, and I doubt that we will. It's just not the model that we've followed. Would you guys do sponsorship, that kind of stuff, or it's kind of like a long-term type of type of endorsement situations? I'm just just curious. Uh, you should be talking to our director of development. Oh, but, okay. I got you. <laughs> we, no. We're lucky. We're lucky to have. But I'm sure he would say that you know we want to build long-term relationships. I mean, we, yeah. we've got you know because we've got a good-sized audience now, online and broadcast. We think that uh, we should be pretty attractive, and that there are a lot of companies out there who are in the sector that we deal with, aerospace companies. Yeah. Uh, and um, uh, we're we're hoping very soon now that we're past our 35th anniversary and a huge Kickstarter campaign that uh, took most of the time of our development guy. He's very interested and feels he has some prospects for us Mm -hmm. uh, where we hopefully will have some long-term underwriting agreements. And we'll we'll probably uh, make announcements at the opening and the close of the show, just as you would hear for other public radio shows. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I see where the influence of public radio is kind of pushing through the whole podcasting medium from the standpoint of host reads is the standard out there today. And, and, and that's very similar to a, you know, a sponsor, you know, type of, type of deal. It's typically public radio and you guys aren't under those guidelines per se. I wouldn't think that doing a kind of like a, a read that would somehow push for an action on the part of the audience is where that dividing line happens, right? So, exactly. Yeah. And and yeah. we ride we try to ride that line. It's uh it's interesting. I mean, cuz we will do, for example, when we do a public service announcement for the society that we run during our 60 second break, uh, we run a couple of 30 second PSAs. We'll frequently do two versions of that. We'll do one with an overt call to action. Mm-hmm. 
And that goes in the broadcast version of the show. Uh, I'm sorry, that goes in the podcast version of the yeah, show. Yeah. Oops. And, <laughs> uh, and then we'll do a much gentler one yeah. for the broadcasters. Uh, and boy, I, you know, if I ever get those confused, I'll really be in hot water with the public radio people. So you guys primarily distribute on public radio stations on, on the terrestrial side, or are you guys working with any commercial stations? There have only been a couple of commercial stations. It's funny, there was an all-news station in uh, Dallas, AM station, that yeah. was airing the show. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they were doing it, um, because you know we only have that one 60-second break. The vast majority, with, with only a couple of exceptions, uh, it has been public radio outlets. And, you know, we do have quite a few in Canada, and we've got some others around the world. We've got a couple in New Zealand, and I uh, used to have one in Italy. I think they're still active. So, you know, the word gets out there. But I'll tell you, we love that the podcast gives us greater flexibility. I mean, the broadcast show has to be 28 minutes and 50 seconds. Yeah. Uh, every time. And with the podcast, I've got the luxury of, in fact, when we, we had Andy Weir, the author of The Martian, on just a few weeks ago, uh, that was such a great interview that I was able to let it run for uh, about, I think, 52 minutes. And um, uh, it just got a great reaction from the audience. And since the main segment in the show uh, for broadcast can only be 12 or 13 minutes, mm-hmm. I mean, that was just amazing. And yeah. uh you know, we, we love driving people to our website, and uh, it's much easier to do that with the podcast. So do you find yourself uh, producing the show more and more for the podcast side and then just doing doing the editing to get it get it ready for radio or are you still producing it primarily for the radio and then cutting it and then expanding it just for the podcast it's funny that you ask because that is a transition that is very much in my mind and and it has been more and more with the podcast in mind up front and lately that's exactly what i've done i mean like this week's show the podcast version is only maybe three four minutes longer than the broadcast version but i did produce it first and then i go back in and say okay how am i going to cut the you know, three minutes and 52 seconds I need to cut to get it down to the broadcast length. And it's yeah. a drag once you've had yeah. the freedom of, of doing a podcast. Yeah. No, it is. I mean, that kind of throws you back into the editing realm where if you just produced it for the radio, right, you, you wouldn't have that. But then it would just be a, a, a repurposed radio show instead of something of greater value, which is something that could be had in the podcast area, right? Yeah, exactly right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think it's a struggle... Yeah, I had a a radio myself, you know, myself personally for six years that that was on terrestrial first, and then went to podcasts, and I had that whole issue too. And it was I wound up shutting down the whole radio side and just doing it as a podcast. So, um, yeah, I went the opposite extreme, right? Yeah. Um, Yes, seriously. I mean, I I don't think we're going to do it anytime soon because we were very happy to have the radio audience. Yeah. Boy, I, I think of that every time I have to go through that uh, <laughs> editing process for uh, for terrestrial. Down down to the second. You had to get it down to the second. And <laughs> That's I had right. to do that too. So I know exactly the struggles with that, plus the, the in and out of breaks and things like that. Of course, public radio doesn't really have that kind of format, so which is good. All right. Yes, and fortunately, that yeah. one break we've got, it's a floating break, so we can kind of, yeah. it usually falls in about the same place, but thank goodness it doesn't have to be precise. Yeah, it's not like on the commercial side where they, they tend to have hard hard stop breaks, so yeah, that's yeah. that's one, one good thing that you guys have that are a part of that. Plus, 
I mean, so from a content perspective, how do you guys uh, look to the future, right? Now, granted, podcasting is a big part of that, but do you guys ever see, do you think personally, just from your own experience, do you see radio changing how they look at things to maybe think more like uh, the content creation process involved in podcasting moving over to radio? So it's not so much producing for radio, but producing for podcasts? That's a good question. I, I mean, it is certainly influencing the radio. Yeah. Uh, the radio side, the terrestrial side, right now. I mean, look what has happened with yeah. iHeartRadio, which, yeah. you know, basically comes from the terrestrial radio world. Yep. And uh, I, th- I think they also see the way things are going. Yeah. Um, and so the change is happening. And I, I, think it's, I think it's good for radio. You know, radio really is now just another source of audio information and entertainment it's another way to get it and uh there are you know moving into the online world opens up so many other possibilities i mean we certainly we're trying to practice this at the planetary society where we have an, an entire array of we hope integrated ways of reaching out to our, our audience and especially to our members, yeah. uh, where we put a lot of resources online that I make reference to during the show. Yeah. So we haven't talked, you know, much at all about your background and how you got involved in 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 working with the Planetary Radio Show and and working. Have you been there for a long, long time, or what's your background? I mean, it came out of radio, I think, right? <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, I, uh, I'm i a product of my college radio station, uh, KUCI yeah. in, in Irvine, California, oh, okay. and uh, had a great time there. It was one of the greatest experiences of my life. Love radio uh, and did have one job in commercial radio at a, basically an elevator music station that's uh, long gone. <laughs> the fact is that I, for most of my professional life, made most of my living off of uh, television. Oh, uh, okay. A little bit of on-camera talent, but mostly... Uh, running a media department at a university, and um, uh, uh, that definitely dominated my professional life. But I always had something going on with radio because really, you know, I tell people radio and space, my two favorite things outside of family. Um, And so I just couldn't leave it alone. I got to the Planetary Society about 15 years ago. Uh, came in as a volunteer, but very quickly got hired as a part-timer. And this is while I was still very much uh, full-time at the university. And um, uh, started doing media stuff for them. And uh, from almost from the beginning, was telling them, hey, you know, we should be doing a radio show. So that uh, happened three years later. We started uh, Planetary Radio. And the truth, really, the format, if you listen to those early shows, I I hope they've improved a little (laughs) bit technically and in production values. But the format really has not changed very much. Yeah. And it probably shouldn't. I mean, I would definitely agree. I, you know, I've been involved in this space since doing radio shows and stuff like that since 1999 myself. And th- there's a lot of things that just have not changed because the fundamentals are, are the same pretty much. <laughs> yeah, that's certainly true. I'm, I mean, I go back to the days of, uh, you know, reel-to-reel tape and grease pencils and razor blades. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, just making that point, I mean, you know, people would say, well, of course you're going to edit digitally now. Well, it wasn't always that way. But no. it's, it's, it's digital that made it possible for me to do this show because it's pretty much a one-man band. Yeah. Um, you know, I think for the production values we achieve, I doubt that there's another show out there that has the, the kind of coverage we have that has such a small budget or such a small staff. Yeah, that's right. That's true. 
This show is streamed live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern uh, from SpeakerLiveShow.com. And it's in iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, um, soon to be in the Google Play Music Store. Please uh, leave us a review. We want to hear from you, so send me an email. Uh, If you have a question, comment, or suggestion, send it to Rob at Spreaker.com. And if you have a technical support question, uh, feel free to email support at Spreaker.com. And remember to tweet about Spreaker and to use the hashtag Spreaker Live if you're referring to this show. I got a submitted uh, show promo clip that I want to play on the show here um, from uh, Word on the Street. It's a podcast that's based up here in Seattle, and it's the tagline for the show is discovering and celebrating the culture of Seattle uh, music. And uh, I'm going to play a, a short little clip from that show. As, as I promise to do on every episode, if you send me a clip, I will play it on the show. So let's, uh, let's listen to Word on the Street. This is a podcast that's on Spreaker. All right, here we are back again with another Word on the Street. I'm your host, The Zim, and this is where we discover and celebrate the culture of the Seattle music scene. We have been going at this for over a year with 50 plus podcasts. We drop a new one every Thursday. The podcast ranges from conversations with local musicians, bookers, promoters, bloggers, podcasters, and more. And we also feature original music, new and old, from local Seattle artists. You can find it right here on Spreaker or at WOTSpodcast.com where you can find links to iTunes and Stitcher or you can stream it off the web. Be a part of the conversation and join us. All right, let's do this. Yeah, I know what you're saying. It's music in a podcast, right? You can't do that, right? But uh, actually, there's people out there doing it, and they're figuring out how to actually do that. So go check out Word on the Street. Uh, it's a podcast uh, based in Seattle up here. It's on, on Spreaker. It's a terrific show. So go go check it out if you're looking for a, a little bit of a different twist in the in the music podcast area. So And if you want to send me your show promo, um, you can certainly do that. We play up to like 30 seconds. Uh, you can send it to me at my email address, and I'll get it on, the, on a future episode. So Spreaker also has a terrific uh, blog out there, uh, blog.spreaker.com, that we post articles about um, how to improve your podcast, how to use Spreaker better if you're a, a Spreaker creator. And I also created a, a video uh, capture demo of our new Android app, the Spreaker podcast radio app, uh, only, only for Android. And it's actually, the, the link to this video is in the the show notes so you can definitely go go click on that and check it out if you happen to be an ios user yeah and this is really the only way you can see what this experience looks like that is coming to an iphone near you in the future here so if you want to wanted to check it out uh it's a terrific experience all brand new to us actually has all the top shows as well as speaker shows uh, so it's not just the speaker shows that are available in there it, the, the best shows in podcasting are in this app, uh, you know, like Serial and This American Life and all of the, the ones that you hear about in the press and media these days, as well as being able to get Plantera Radio in there, too. I, I want to make sure that that's included in that comment. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> Thank you. And we also um, did an update to our Spreaker Studio app for Windows and Mac. It actually, and that's what I'm using to stream this show live right now. Uh, we've added the capability of uh, a microphone boost, uh, software boost in the actual application. 
Um, so you can do that. And then audio limiting too. So if you uh, yell a little bit too loud, it will uh, kind of cap that off for you and, and you won't blow people's ears out um, that are listening to this with their headphones in their ears. So that's a terrific uh, application for desktop for Windows and Mac. Uh, so if you're currently using the web, the web, the live web um, browser-based app, uh, give this one a try. I think you'll find it to be a lot more capable and a lot more stable and a little easier to use since Flash is not the uh, part part of being part of the cool kids anymore. So anyway, uh, Matt, I wanted to um, talk maybe a little bit about science a little bit. You know, I can't have a guy like you on and not talk about planetary science a little <laughs> bit. I'm a, a kind of science, you know, astronomy geek myself. So based on what you're hearing, when are we going to Mars? <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's what we keep asking. Um, I tell you, uh, it, it's not soon enough, but the Planetary Society has gotten behind a plan that has come out of JPL and elsewhere, which uh, we call HOM, Humans Orbiting Mars. Oh, uh, okay. Because the, hard, the hardest part of getting to Mars and spending any time there is landing and then being on the surface, which is not a very safe place. So um, there is this plan to uh, get us out to orbit and probably to land on Phobos, uh, the bigger of the two moons of Mars, which is covered with Martian dirt, by the way, because it gets blown up there by meteorites. And the idea is that this could happen by 20. 33. And a lot of people are tar- talking about that target early to mid uh, 2030s. Still a long ways off, yeah. but it's, you know, Mars is going to be really, really hard. We're on our way. And then to a few years after that, they'll get the, the uh, wrinkles worked, uh, ironed out and we'll land on uh, the red planet for sure. Oh, the problem is we're setting expectations with the American public that uh, Mars is so easy to achieve with all these movies that Matt Damon is. Uh, I mean, <laughs> Mr. Matt Damon's been to the Mars twice now, as I recall. Yes, so, and he yeah, yeah. he's been yeah. outside the uh, to another star <laughs> as well in Interstellar. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So I think was it 2033 is what you said? That's a long way out. I don't know if I'm even going to be around then. <laughs> it's tough. Yeah, I know. I worry about that too. I'd sure like to be here when we reach Mars. Um, But, you know, who knows? It's just really hard. You're right. It makes it look easier in the movies. But you look at that ship in the movie The Martian, which I'm guessing most of your audience has now seen. Um, That ship represents incredible technology. In fact, I was in Houston last week at a conference, and I made a side trip to the company Ad Astra. Uh, That's where they're developing the Vasimir plasma engine that, if you read the book, The Martian, Andy Weir, the author, actually refers to that engine that you need a nuclear reactor to, uh, to power, a nuclear reactor in space. We, we have a lot left to do before we're ready to go to the Red Planet. But there are things we can do before that. We can go out and rendezvous with an asteroid. We can do some interesting things at what are called the Lagrange points. They, all the while, we'll be practicing and getting ready for that trip to Mars. Yeah, I thought that the one of the biggest issues is what once you get there you got to figure out how to get back and that's yeah. that, that's been one of the big challenges and then how to actually sustain yourself on the on the planet and then the the long journey that it takes to get there and all the risks involved with that so there's a there's big challenges that have to be addressed and i don't know that we're uh, we're ready to address those yet are we <laughs> No, we, we are not. I mean, that's the simple answer. There are three or four very significant challenges if we're going to have an effective mission to Mars. Are they solvable? Absolutely. There are people sure. working uh, for NASA and elsewhere around the world who feel that we're on the right track. I believe them. Uh, I heard the NASA administrator talking about this just last week. You know, I think we're going to get there. It's not going to be as soon as any of us would like, but it's just uh, that big of an engineering challenge. 
Yeah, it's kind of like autonomous cars. You know, everybody wants it here, <laughs> here now, but I, but I think it's going to be ten years before we have real, true autonomous cars because it's, it's going to be a culture change too. Because I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get into a car that has maybe has a steering wheel or not. I'm not sure yet, and be able to let go and just trust it. Maybe, maybe our kids or maybe their kids. <laughs> Yeah, who, exactly. Who grew up with that technology. I don't know. It'd be kind of creepy, wouldn't it? There's some analogies to this situation with going to Mars, too. I think that, there, that there's a lot of kind of, you know, it's easy to think that it's easy to get there. and it's and, But it's like, well, well, we send a bunch of robots there. What, where's the problem? Well, the problem is that humans are frail. <laughs> yeah, and, that's right. And we have very specific needs that have to be met. And that's not easily done. Yeah. Of course, the robots are going to get become more and more sophisticated. That's happening with every mission. You still, you know, Curiosity rover on Mars. It's a, it's a pretty smart machine, but it's often said that what it takes Curiosity a month to do, you know, a couple of humans or a human geologist walking around on Mars could probably do in a couple of hours. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So, but that's probably a good thing. I don't think we want robots totally replacing us quite yet. No, let's hope not. Not not quite yet. <laughs> yeah. Not until they get virtual reality uh, really working well. Yeah, exactly. Can you share any? Is there any big things coming with the planetary show um, coming up here anytime soon, or is there some big guests that you have coming? Well, we're going to probably be featuring a lot of this content I collected last week uh, at the. It's called the SpaceCom Expo, first time uh, conference, and um, and and some side trips that I made. In fact, I, I we'll be talking. I went to the Johnson Space Center and stood a few feet away and uh, a window away from lunar rocks because that's where they keep the moon rocks, oh. and talked to the new curator there. That was a really fascinating conversation. Uh, got uh, a couple of conversations with astronauts uh, coming up. Uh, astro- you know, astronauts, they finish going to space, but they many of them stay in the business. Um, yeah. Ellen Ochoa, the uh, head of the Johnson Space Center, who flew on the uh, space shuttle three times, she's part of this week's radio show. Uh, then there's some very exciting stuff coming up next year. Uh, hopefully, the second flight of the Planetary Society's Light sail, solar sail will be going up on a Falcon Heavy rocket, courtesy of Elon Musk. That's probably not till the end of next year. The Juno spacecraft will reach Jupiter and go into orbit, and it is going to show us some just spectacular things happening out at that sort of uh, king of planets. Yeah. Uh, and uh, there's just there's so much going on just in our solar system. And then you look to all the missions that are looking across the universe, uh, out back to the beginning of uh, almost the beginning of time with the Big Bang. And it's a, it's just a very exciting thing to be reporting on. Yeah, I bet. Well, Matt, it was great to to have you join us on the on the Speaker Live show today. I thank you, Rob. This is such a pleasure. Uh, it's been great fun, and we are truly honored to uh, be part of the Speaker lineup. Uh, and uh, look forward to, to sticking around with you guys for a long time. Yeah, well, great. And thank you, and thank you all the listeners that have tuned in and listened to this uh, either live or uh, as a podcast. So I I greatly appreciate uh, you listening. Go to iTunes and give us a rating. If you like the program, uh, and certainly feel free to give me uh, an email or some feedback uh, at rob at Spreaker.com, or you can tweet us uh, at Spreaker uh, using the hashtag Spreaker Live. So thank you very much, and I appreciate it. So, Matt, what's the best way for a listener to uh, 
to listen to your show? Just curious. Well, they could start with Spreaker. We also, it, it's always on the homepage at yeah. planetary.org, along with lots of other great stuff from my colleagues and our guest bloggers. You know, all the usual suspects uh, that okay. uh, that you've already mentioned. So are you guys in uh, Google Play platform yet, or have you submitted? We have not. Uh, it's definitely on the to-do list. <laughs> I totally understand. There, there's no huge rush because they haven't even launched yet. So <laughs> that's good. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Matt. I appreciate it. Again, thank you, Rob. It's uh, It's been great fun. Okay. Thank you. 